Section 37 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letters to Monsieur de Pompon. The following letters relating to the trial of Monsieur Fouquet were addressed to the Marquis de Pompon, who was afterward Minister of Foreign Affairs. The trial of Fouquet was not the least curious and least interesting event of the reign of Louis the Fourteenth. The plan of ruining him was laid with such odious art, and the conduct of his enemies, many of whom were his judges, was so inveterate that it would have been impossible not to have been interested for him, even had he been more criminal than he really was. Accused and tried for financial peculations, he was sentenced to banishment for a crime against the state. His crime was a vague plan of resistance and flight into a foreign country, which he had thrown upon paper five years before, when the factions of the Fronde divided France, and when he thought he had reason to complain of the ingratitude of Cardinal Mazarin. This plan, which he had wholly forgotten, was found among the papers that were seized at his house. It is well known that Louis the Fourteenth was led to believe that Fouquet was a dangerous man. A guard of fifty musketeers were appointed to conduct him to the citadel of Pignerol, the king having changed the sentence of banishment into perpetual imprisonment. It was still apprehended that he had formidable friends. Among these were Pelisson and La Fontaine. The one defended him eloquently, and the other bewailed his misfortunes in a very beautiful and pathetic elegy, in which he went so far as to ask the king to pardon him. Letter 1 Today, Monday, November the 17th, 1664 Monsieur Fouquet was brought a second time before the Chancellor, he seated himself without ceremony upon the sellette. Footnote, stool on which a prisoner sits, back to main text, as he had done the first time. The Chancellor began by bidding him hold up his hand. He replied that he had already assigned the reasons which prevented him from taking the oath. The Chancellor then made a long speech to prove the legal authority of the court that it had been established by the king, and that the warrants had been confirmed by the parliament. Monsieur Fouquet replied that things were often done under the name of legal authority, which were found upon reflection to be unjust. The Chancellor interrupted him. What, do you mean to say that the king abuses his power? Monsieur Fouquet replied, it is you, sir, who say it, not I. This was not my idea, and in my present situation I cannot but wonder at your wishing to implicate me still further with His Majesty. But, sir, you yourself well know that we may be mistaken. When you sign a sentence, you believe it just, yet the next day you annul that sentence. Thus, you see, it is possible to change our opinion. But, said the Chancellor, Though you will not acknowledge the power of the court, you answer and put interrogatories, and you are now upon the select. 
It is true I am so, he replied, but it is not voluntarily. I am brought here against my will. It is a power I must obey, and a mortification which God has inflicted upon me, and which I receive from his hands. After the services I have rendered and the offices I have had the honour to bear, I might have been spared this humiliation. The Chancellor then continued the examination respecting the pension of the Gabelle, to which the replies of Monsieur Fouquet were extremely satisfactory. Footnote, the Gabelle was a salt tax levied by the French kings. Reader's note, Fouquet was accused of having received a pension of 120,000 livres from the tax farmers. Back to main text. The examination will proceed and I shall send you a faithful account of it. I am anxious to know whether my letters come safely to your hands. Your sister, who is with our ladies at the Faubourg, has signed. She is now with the community and seems perfectly satisfied. Your aunt does not appear at all displeased with her. I did not think it was she who had taken the leap, but some other person. Reader's note. Pompon's sister had signed a recognition that the five propositions of Antoine Arnaud, that God actively destines some to receive grace and actively destines others to be without it, were heretical, and that they were derived from the theology of Jansen, back to main text. You know, of course, of our defeat at Guichery. Footnote, the first expedition against Algiers. Reader's note. The port of Gigeri was to be set up as a naval base against the Barbary Corsairs. The Count of Gadan had been in charge of fortifying it. The attempt failed. Back to main text. You know, of course, of our defeat at Gigeri, and as those who formed the plan wished to throw the failure upon those who executed it, they intend to bring Gadan to trial. There are some who will be satisfied with nothing less than his head but the public is persuaded that he could not have advised otherwise than he did. Monsieur Tallet, who excommunicated these subaltern officers of the king who were for compelling the clergy to sign, is very much talked of here. This will ruin him with your father. What will bring him into favour with Père Anna? Reader's note. Madame de Sévigné's last sentence is ironic. The Bishop of Adelette in Brittany was one of the strongest defenders of Jansenism, while Père Anna, a Jesuit and confessor to the king, was one of its most ardent adversaries. Back to main text. Adieu. The desire of gossiping has seized me, but I must not yield to it. The narrative style should be concise. Letter 2. Friday, November the 20th, 1664. Monsieur Fouquet was examined this morning respecting the gold mark. He answered extremely well. Several of the judges bowed to him. The Chancellor reproved them and said it was not the custom. And he said to the Breton councillor, It is because you were from Brittany that you bow so low to Monsieur Fouquet. Reader's note. A possible reference to Fouquet's having spent immense sums in Brittany 
while strengthening the fortifications of the island port of Belle-Ile. His Wikipedia entry says with a view of taking refuge there in case of disgrace. Back to main text. In returning on foot from the arsenal, Monsieur Fouquet asked what the workmen were doing. He was told they were making a base of a fountain. He went to them and gave his opinion and afterward returned smiling to Artagan. You wonder, no doubt, said he, at my interfering, but I formerly understood these things well. The friends of Monsieur Fouquet and I among the rest are pleased at this delightful composure. Others call it affectation. Such is the world. Madame Fouquet's mother has given the Queen a plaster that has cured her convulsions, which, properly speaking, were nothing but the vapours. Many, believing what they wish, imagine that the Queen will on this account intercede with His Majesty to pardon the unfortunate prisoner. But I, who hear little of the kindness of this country, do not believe a word of it. The noise the plaster has made is wonderful. Everybody says that Madame Fouquet is a saint and has the power of working miracles. Today, the 21st, Monsieur Fouquet has been questioned respecting the wax and sugar taxes. At certain objections that were raised and which appeared to him ridiculous, he lost his temper. This was going a little too far, and there was a haughtiness in his manners that gave offence. He will correct himself for this mode of proceeding is by no means advisable. But patience will sometimes escape. It seems to me as if I should have done the same. I have been at Sainte-Marie, where I saw your aunt, who appeared to be swallowed up in devotion. She was at Mass, and in quite a religious ecstasy. Your sister was looking very pretty, fine eyes and great animation, the poor child fainted this morning. She is very much indisposed. Her aunt is uniformly kind to her. Monsieur de Paris has given her a sort of défaillance which gained her heart and induced her to sign the wicked formulary. Footnote, this relates to the condemnation of the five propositions of Jansenius. The clergy of France protested against them and drew up a formulary which the nuns of Port-Royal and many others refused to sign. This refusal in the end caused their dispersion. Back to main text. I have not mentioned the subject to either of them. Monsieur de Paris has forbidden it. Note that then Archbishop of Paris was the sage Perifix. Back to main text. But I must give you an idea of prejudice. Our sisters of Sainte-Marie said to me, God be praised who has at length touched the heart of this poor child. She is now in the way of obedience and salvation. From thence I went to Port-Royal, where I found a certain great recluse of your acquaintance, footnote, no doubt, the celebrated Dr. Arnaud Dondéry, back to main text, who accosted me with well, this silly goose has signed. God, in short, has abandoned her. She is lost. I thought I should have died with laughing when I reflected on the different effects of prejudice. 
In this you see the world in its true mirror. I think extremes should always be avoided. Saturday evening, the 22nd. Monsieur Fouquet entered the chamber this morning and was interrogated upon the subject of grants. He was attacked weakly and defended himself ably. Between you and me, this is not the worst part of the business. Some good angel must have informed him that he had carried himself too proudly, for he altered his manner today, and the judges altered theirs by not bowing to him. The examination will not be resumed till Wednesday, and I shall not write to you till then. I have only to add that if you continue to pity me so much for the trouble I take in writing to you and desire me not to go on, I shall think my letters tire you, and that you do not like the fatigue of answering them. But I promise not to write such long ones in future, and I absolve you from answering them, though I prize your letters highly. After these declarations, I should think you would not attempt to interrupt the course of my gazettes. In flattering myself that I contribute a little to your pleasure, I add greatly to my own. I have so few opportunities of proving my friendship and esteem for you, that I must not neglect such as present themselves. Pray make my compliments to your family and your neighbours. The Queen is much better. Letter 3 Monday, November the 24th, 1664 If I know my own heart, it is I who am the party obliged by your receiving so kindly the information I send you. Do you think I have no pleasure in writing to you? Believe me, I have a great deal, and am as much gratified in writing as you can be in reading what I write. The sentiments you entertain upon the subject of my letter are very natural. Hope is common to us all without our knowing why, but it supports the heart. I dined at Sainte-Marie-de-Saint-Antoine two days ago. The Lady Abbess related to me the particulars of four visits she has received from Puis... Dot, dot, dot. Footnote, this name appears to be altered and ought, as will be seen further on, to be Pissor, back to main text. The four visits she has received within the last three months, at which I am very much astonished. He came to tell her that the now blessed Bishop of Geneva, François de Salle, had been so extremely kind to him during his illness last summer that he could not help feeling most strongly the obligations he owed him, and he requested her to obtain the press of the community for the deceased. He gave her for the accomplishment of his holy purpose a thousand crowns, and entreated her to show him the bishop's heart. When he was at the grate, he fell upon his knees and remained full a quarter of an hour bathed in tears, apostrophizing this heart and praying for a spark of the divine fire which had consumed it. The lady abbess also melted into tears and gave him the relics of the deceased with which he hurried away. During these visits he appeared so earnest about his salvation, so disgusted with the court, so transported with the idea of his conversion, 
that a person more clear-sighted than the abbess would have been deceived. She contrived to introduce the subject of Fouquet. He answered her as a man who was interested in nothing but religion, that he was not sufficiently known, that justice would be done him agreeably to the will of God, if from no other consideration. I was never more surprised than at this conversation. If you ask me what I think of it, I must answer that I do not know, that it is perfectly unintelligible to me, that I cannot see the drift of this comedy, nor, if it is not a comedy, how the steps he has since taken are to be reconciled with his fine speeches. Time must explain all this, for it is at present perfectly enigmatical. Do not mention it, for the Lady Abbess desired me not to make the circumstance known. I have seen Monsieur Fouquet's mother. She told me she had sent the plaster to the Queen by Madame de Charost. Footnote Fouquet's daughter, back to main text. The effect was certainly wonderful. In less than an hour, the Queen felt her head relieved, and so great a discharge of offence of matter took place that had it remained, it might have suffocated her in the next fit. The Queen said aloud that it was this matter which had occasioned the convulsions of the preceding night, and that Madame de Fouquet had cured her. The Queen Mother thought the same, and said so to the King, who did not attend to her. The physicians, who had not been consulted in applying the plaster, withheld their sentiments on the subject, but made their court at the expense of truth. The same day these poor women threw themselves at the feet of the king, who took no notice of them. Everybody is acquainted with the circumstance of the cure, but no one knows what will come of it. We must wait the event with patience. Monsieur Fouquet was interrogated again this morning, but the Chancellor's manner was changed. It seems as if he were ashamed of receiving his lesson every day from Boucherat, footnote Boucherat, then Master of Requests, and afterward Chancellor, had been appointed to put the seals on the papers of the superintendent. He was on the commission charged with the prosecution. Reader's note, Madame de Sévigné wrote, receiving his lesson every day from B. Other editions I've consulted said that B was Louis Berrier, who was in league with Colbert and falsified the evidence. Back to main text. He told the reporter, footnote Dormisson, back to main text, to read the article upon which he wished to examine the accused. And the reading lasted so long that it was half past ten o'clock before it was finished. He then said, let Fouquet be brought in. He corrected himself immediately by saying, Monsieur Fouquet. As, however, he had not directed the prisoner to be sent for, he was still at the Bastille. A messenger was then dispatched for him and he arrived at eleven o'clock. He was questioned respecting the grants and answered extremely well, but he was a little at a loss as to certain dates. 
which would have injured him considerably if the examiner had been skilful and awake. But instead of this, the Chancellor was asleep. This was observed by Monsieur Fouquet, who would have laughed heartily if he had dared. At length, the Chancellor roused himself and continued the examination. And though Monsieur Fouquet rested too much on a prop that might have failed him, the event proved that he knew what he was about, for in his misfortune he has certain little advantages that belong exclusively to himself. They go on slowly every day. The trial will last a long time. I shall write to you every evening, but I shall not send my letter till Saturday or Sunday evening. It will give you an account of the proceedings of Thursday, Friday and Saturday, and I will contrive that you shall receive one on Thursday, informing you of the proceedings of Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. In this way your letters will not be long detained. I beg my compliments to your recluse and to your better half. I say nothing of your dear neighbour. It will soon be my turn to give you news of her myself. End of section 37